Hello and welcome to episode two of the movie. I forgot what it was called then. <laughs> Instantly memorable. <laughs> episode two of the movie bunker, where we're going to delve into Chris's choice of film, which was Chris Tank Girl. It's the year 2033. There's no law, no mercy. You're going to really love this one. And no water. There are three million litres of water underneath the blue dunes. And you will retrieve it. The odds of survival are a thousand to one. And that's just the way she likes it. My, my. Talented, isn't she? Hi! Feeling a little inadequate? She'll be fun to break. I like Lori Petty. Did I hurt you yet? Ice T. Turn this boat around and you're gonna get us all killed. And Malcolm McDowell. Just how many of my men did you kill? United Artists Pictures presents. Just say, I won. I won. Tank Girl. What's it like knowing you're about to die? You don't it! Right, so unlike last week's film, The Alienator, which um, had zero presence online and a very universal hatred of those people that did find it online, I don't think I found a single positive about that film. <laughs> There's lots of um, presence online regarding Tank Girl. I suppose it's a newer film altogether and it had a much bigger budget and there's a much better story behind how it got made and superhero films were just starting to probably be released by studios, weren't they, I guess? Yeah, I don't, I don't think there have been many, not any big films. I mean, Batman was kind of the only real comic book success story. Well, Batman was different. It took it tonally, it took Batman probably in, in the right direction on the big screen. In the 90s, we had other sort of superhero films. You had The Crow, the, the Rocketeer. I liked The Rocketeer. Yeah, I loved it too. It was a great film. Blade was in the 90s. The savour of Marvel, basically. Mystery Men. You could class that as a superhero film. Yes, yes, that was... I mean, that was probably closer to Tank Girl than the others because it's that same sort of subversive comic strip kind of on the down low rather than any sort of major, you know, marquee superhero name. Yeah, exactly, and had a good comedic cast. Um, so that's your positive films. And then we had some of the worst ones. We had Spawn. Spawn, yeah. Which, again, tonally didn't know where it was going. Do you remember Meteor Man? No. I do. I, I do. The first black superhero yes. on screen. He had a moustache. Yep. And then we had... <laughs> I uh, love that's my takeaway yeah, from Meteor yeah, Man. Yeah. <laughs> and we had Batman and Robin, which was then obviously when he that Batman it, franchise yeah. was starting to lose control of its integrity and everything else until Nolan turned up and rebooted the whole franchise. Thank God. But yeah, so then we had Tank Girl, 1995. We obviously had this issue with studios knowing that they're just about probably able to do something with regards to special effects and you know all that sort of thing the, the technology is getting better so they're thinking about tackling these the tackling the market or the comic book market but no one's really got any idea how to put it on screen and no. get the tone right and obviously now it's a completely different story we know you know marvel studios and you know warner brothers to a certain extent have got and fox and everywhere else have got their own well you know more about comics than i do matthew but they've all got their own tentpole franchises haven't they yes and and, and actually marvel being incredibly successful and not seeming to be doing anything wrong no every every time a film comes out it tears up trees in the box office yeah. and critically and everyone is always because i i'm a massive comic book fan a massive comic film fan 
and I'm still waiting for them to drop the ball horribly at some point. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of don't want them to, but it's inevitable. It's going it? to happen. Yeah. Like they can, I mean, they can't keep they can't keep the um, the quality as high as it no. is. I watched Thor Ragnarok again the other night. Oh yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it for a second time. I've never seen it yet. <gasps> I know. <gasps> well, I saw Shall Black Panther. Take a breath? <laughs> I saw Black Panther, and that, I enjoyed that for what it was. But we were diverted into good we're talking films. Talking about good films. <laughs> Oops. So yeah, we'll save that for the Marvel Appreciation for. Podcast. <laughs> so then we go Tango. Which um, when you think about it, when you think about those films that preceded it and hadn't yet been made, it is quite a strange choice of comic book movie to make. You know, um, Judge Dredd came out the same year. You can understand that one because it's it was huge both uh, in here in America. Tank Girl was more of a sort of niche, culturally subversive uh, strip, starting first of all in a magazine and then bringing itself together into its own book. Amazing artwork, yeah, um, crazy storylines which really worked well. Girl Power before Girl Power was really, yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah, a really strong female character <coughs> leading this this comic strip so yeah created by alan martin and jamie hewlett and jamie hewlett is one half of the gorillas with damon Albarn. yeah and i think um people that know the gorillas and would maybe see this film would instantly recognize the artwork that appears in the title sequence and in various segments sort of segued through the film um, which were my favourite parts of the film. Yeah, the say. best parts of this film were the bits that weren't live action <laughs> and really captured the, the spirit, I think, of the original comic. And I remember the comic. I yeah. Mean, it, this film pretty much killed Tank Girl in paper form. Not much came after it, no. No, um, there's, there's some factoids I can discuss Go on, with you. Give us your factoids, Well, Chris. I mean... The, Deadline magazine, isn't it, which featured Tank Girl. Have you done any research about Deadline magazine? No, I didn't do any research about Deadline <laughs> Me magazine. Me neither, don't worry. All I know is that it featured Tank Girl. It was a he- it's a heavy student-type magazine with you know, yeah. stories and strips. Before the film came out, I think they upped their Tank Girl coverage within Deadline. There was lots of talk in the media and uh, lots of hype around Tank Girl being released, being filmed, and yep. the cast being on board. Pretty decent studio tackling this quite quirky character. But unfortunately, it made no difference. And in fact, as soon as the, the film came out and started getting the negative press and reviews, the magazine actually lost a lot of its credibility uh, as a result and um, then basically ceased to be published in the same year that Tank Girl was released, which is a wow. bit, which is unusual in 1995. Proper torpedoed. Torpedoed? Torpedoed. <laughs> yeah. Um, why not, Matthew? Why not? <laughs> Alan Martin and Jamie Hewlett, the creators, immediately after, kind of distanced themselves from the film quite heavily and spoke very negatively about it based yeah. on the, the negative. So that kind of hits why this film was probably made, because... Okay, I guess it might have been a cheap license to buy, a bit of a low risk potentially. I mean, I don't know what the budget was. You got the budget? Yeah, there? I do have the budget. The budget was twenty-five million. Wow! Yeah, that's, that's quite a lot. Yeah, that's more than I expected. And it made six million. Wow! I mean, I'm no accountant, but uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's I don't think crazy. that's good business. No, it's it sucked in the box office. It, <clears throat> it tanked. It tanked. <laughs> The director, we talk about the director, yeah, that, that, actually, um, Rachel Talalay was the director, and, and if you look at her sort of biography, if you like, she's responsible for quite a lot of TV, done some Doctor Who recently. I did uh, see this. So she, apparently she was, a, it kind of had the recipes 
for being a great film or a great adaptation anyway of a mm. comic book because she was a fan and she was kind of the one of the forces behind driving getting this film made mm-hmm. which is normally a good sign because mm-hmm. they the people actually have like you know care for the actual source material and everything like that so mm. apparently she was um sort of introduced to the comic books while she was making Freddy's Dead the final nightmare mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not the finest of all the Freddy Krueger films. No, but she cut her teeth making some pretty decent, gross-out horror stuff, and she, yeah. she knows probably how to deal with prosthetics and makeup yeah. and jazz like that, which is what this film affects movies. Yeah, if, so yeah, thank you. The cast is is great too, and on paper, when you do look at the cast, it thinks, well, that what a great ensemble. You've so let's got, go with the top then. Laurie Petty. Laurie Petty, we would have seen in fresh off of. Break. Actually, there was quite a few years between them. I didn't really. Oh, okay. So there was. uh, She's done uh, League of Her Own and Point Break. So she was bankable. Let's say she was very excited about the role. I remember uh, she looked excited during the film. Yeah, (laughs) which she does give it a lot. You know, you're gonna have to stop this. You're really getting me hot. She gives it too much, in my opinion. We'll talk about performances in a second. (laughs) I remember an interview with her at college and saying she was born for this role and she she was so excited about doing it and I was was quite a fan of her anyway because I'd seen Point Break and League of Her Own and she'd been in other bits and pieces and she was a good yeah as you say a bankable actress and then we get one of the Naomi Watts' most early appearances on screen yep and Naomi Watts is well she's massive Hollywood A-lister now she's big we get Ice-T Ice-T doing his thing <laughs> and we get uh, everyone's favourite villain, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, who does an impression of Malcolm McDowell throughout this film. When you watch these films, these old films, it's hard to place when the cliche started. So with Malcolm McDowell playing his very hammy English bad guy, where in the timeline of hammy English bad guys yeah. does that appear? Is he, you know, is he is he groundbreaking English bad guy, or is he just following a herd English bad guy? He's trying very hard to do the best wanky villainy British <laughs> villainy can be. He's not that good an actor anymore. But that's why I think I think to be honest, he he is doing an impression of himself. It's almost yeah. so generically a Malcolm McDowell. I remember reading somewhere that he he felt that tonally this film for to him was very close to uh, Clockwork Orange. I can I can see where like, he's getting that from because both of them are overrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can I can kind of see. We watched this film, and you text me to say, "Have you watched it yet?" And I'm like, "I think so." Um, although it could have been a fever dream. I can I can see where he's coming from when he says that it's tonally similar. I mean, it, it kind of tackles some of like the society issues. Yeah, there's definitely a very strong hierarchy, dystopian future where the the people will fighting for water and there's the rich that have it or have access to it and let's talk about the plot a little bit so there is a plot of sorts um as we say it's set in a post-apocalyptic a future where water is basically very scarce so and being the, the plot is the kind of the, the thing that i have the, the most trouble with with this film as always as always <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's so mcguffany Malcolm McDowell is a uh, big boss evil guy who runs a company called Water and Power and the name of the company is, is that, in the that's, that's not something from the comic books is it? that was like something that was a, a thing made for probably for the film probably because I don't I don't actually know whether there's a great deal of presence for Malcolm McDowell's character I don't even know what his name was like Mr Big or something ridiculously cheesy <laughs> like that yeah but he owns this corporation called Water and Power so he has 
a plethora of henchmen and you know stooges that, that do his work for it him does. and go out finding water and there's a big collection of water somewhere in this desert that yep. he needs to try and find and he needs a tank girl to find the water for him possibly but we why? don't know why <laughs> uh, uh, yeah and also he's got a contraption a, a, a device that can suck water out of human flesh so he will often people he doesn't like he doesn't like one of those like evil bond villains if he doesn't like you or disagree with him in a meeting he'll stab you in the back with a, a water uh, extraction device it's very um, El Capone from Untouchables you know right. like hey don't worry about it come here and yeah. then douche yeah Special effects in that for what they were, I didn't think they were that bad. The well, budget, twenty-five million quid. Yeah, yeah, the budget was pretty pretty heavy on the um, on the special effects and the prosthetics and things like that. So I'll forgive all the special effects in this film, to be honest. Jet Girl's in. Uh, well, we, Jet Girl isn't Jet Girl initially. That's uh, Naomi Watts' character, but uh, it's more of an origin story for Jet Girl. Than yeah, and, and Tango, Tango really. I mean, it is an origin story. Would you say? Because uh, she, she gets a tank. She gets that, and she's not referred to as Tango. Ever at all? It's Rebecca, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, there is, a, like you said, there's a subplot going on here with a she, t- Tango is in this shared accommodation where they grow. She's in a squat. Yeah. Her boyfriend and the family and all the people she lives with get killed by this uh, water and power. And I, I, I mean, I don't know why, but they attack the house, don't they? And they Laura, I think so. They got some water. They're tapping into water. Yeah, illegally. Oh, illegally to grow their ganja or whatever yeah. it is they've got going on. Or, or tomatoes. It could just be food. Well, I, I, exactly. Uh, I, I automatically assumed it was uh, the, the weed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So everyone gets shot up, don't they? In, in Apart this, from, this is this is this is my biggest issue early on in the film. It's like they come in. They go right. They, these people are stealing water. They yeah. all they all die now, and then th- most of them die easily. Yeah, you know they just ah no don't and shoot. Yeah, she kills some guys and is very rude, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah, to people with guns, and they go rather than go let's just shoot this one as well. They go let's capture her and take her not just take her to a random prison and throw her in board, but let's take her to the main guy. Which of you gorgeous guys would like an oil change, hmm? <laughs> Don't be stupid. She's going to bite it off. One of the girls from the squat, she she gets captured as well, doesn't she? And then they basically Malcolm McDowell's character uses her as leverage to... She assumes she's dead, but finds out she's alive. And then there's a kind of a rescue-ish type element to this yeah. film later on where she rescues... Um, so, know, the so, the, so like this, this whole fake premise that the film begins with is what drives the whole entire film there forward for some reason she's then cast as like sort of the main i don't know she would be like the luke character if it was star wars you know the but you know, without any reason for her to be luke you know there's there's no there's no she's not anyone's daughter she doesn't know anything she possesses no particular skills or yeah. any apart from being rude <laughs> The whole entire premise of the film just is born from a pile of shit. It's like, Bleh. it's like, oh, I can't be bothered to think why this would happen. Have a have a story start. I reckon probably in the comic books, and I, I might be wrong, but I reckon Tank Girl exists as you open the page. Yeah, she's there, and you, there's no backstory. So I watched the film first, and then read about the comic book. The comic books were famous for not following any plot. They would literally okay. just be a uh, one. Mignette of action followed by a bit of story. Yeah, 
something else would happen that there was just a stream of sort of consciousness more composed artworks than they were cognizant stories running through them so in a sense they kind of i think they've fallen to be slavish to that yeah for the films but not enough so at some point someone's gone you can't just do this we need a beginning a middle an end someone's gone lazily i know what we'll do we'll make this happen i'm doing the wavy hand here yeah, which yeah. is obviously weaving the story great podcast <laughs> action with my wavy it's good hand. for me because I, I it's about helping me understand exactly what you're saying <laughs> but yeah again we're talking about studio involvement and you can't make one of these films i suppose you can now i mean look at the success of deadpool which really is the first kind of diversion from the formula i guess yeah for a, a while this is deadpool but, but the th- in where this differs from deadpool from 95 is that deadpool managed to sneak away with it with a, a, a ludicrously low budget yeah today pardon <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so like you know that it was a low risk venture whereas 25 million pounds in 91 is huge but tango does break the fourth wall in this film doesn't she she does a little couple of not knowing winks to the camera a couple of times yeah should we talk a bit about the, uh, Laurie Petty's tank girl? Because you've got to give her some credit, I reckon, for throwing herself at this role. I mean, but it's so annoying. It's really annoying. A lot of people were comparing uh, Laurie's character, tank girl, to uh, Harley Quinn from um, yeah. Suicide Squad. Um, She's got that uh, New York kind of thing going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, it's very similar in the accent and kind of the look, I guess. Yeah, with um, everything going on, but where Margot Robbie in that film was amazing and kind of kind of salvaged the whole entire film. Maybe it's even a potential for this podcast. The absolutely, Squad, and kind of had depth to her. There was like this; you could see something tragic had happened to this woman at the same time as being funny and scary and all of these levels for that character Laurie just doesn't really nail that with his tangle she just becomes swings wildly from being incredibly annoying to someone that's being annoying but seemingly just reading out the lines of someone that's annoying hey I have two words for you brush your teeth well Laurie Petty doesn't give the character any depth Margot Robbie spent a lot of time I think developing the character and and, and uh, looking at the backstory whereas Laurie Petty is, is taking exactly from the page there's no um, fragileness to Laurie Petty's tank girl those quippy one liners when she's being beaten up or being tortured or something which happens a couple of times in the film there's none of that looking forlorn she doesn't there's no kind of depth and you can't see it in her eyes I know it's silly to say stuff about a comic book character you know yeah. it seems weird <laughs> but, no, but I, that's I, what makes that's what brings these characters to life on screen whereas this is a perfect example of how not but to is make. that is that something that's happened recently is that because we've seen such quality of comic book yeah. films over the last sort of five ten years that yeah. now we expect more than just action scenes and fluff now we expect to see well they obviously you know, have learned the lessons characters some grounding in there yeah and i think like major studios know that saying that michelle pfeiffer's catwoman in batman returns was incredible yeah brilliant but again the, the right director knew how to handle the sub the source material naomi watts is in this film we talked about that earlier when she plays this um jet girl which 
she basically helps uh, Tank Girl escape from Paran Water, doesn't she, Plan? Yes. And then they go on this kind of little road trip after that. This um, is kind of the best bit of the film for me, though. Yeah, it finds its feet. They build a tank. The part they build a tank is specifically to go and find Little Girl in yeah. this stripper den. Liquid Silver. It's like a giant casino nightclub. And thing. then there's a dressing sequence yeah. where she gets dressed. Which we have a clip of. I'll just play that for you now. Dancers, welcome to Liquid Silver. I can get you out. First, we are going to create your look. Girls, please step up to the glamour board in front of you. Your dressing room is equipped with the latest liquid silver fashions. We will start by shaving all inappropriate hair. It's like Las Vegas, I guess, in the desert. This is like her oasis, and it's like a yeah, massive. And, and like like Las Vegas, they have their own residency. They got you know, Iggy Pop there, who oh, is <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, the great Iggy Pop has a cameo in this film. He does. And I reckon probably what happened is his, his agent or his uh, manager said, look, there's this big comic book thing coming up. The soundtrack's amazing. We'll talk about the soundtrack in a minute as well. But he, he plays essentially a paedophile. Yeah, like a really nasty... Like a horrible paedophile. Out there paedophile. Such a hideous role for him to play and to be seen doing. His name is Ratface. Oh, God. Um, whilst we're talking about <laughs> this <laughs> subject... There's a lot of misogyny in this film. But maybe this is what this film was about. I mean, yeah. Maybe, uh, to say, maybe this is like like we were talking about earlier, that it tackles some issues. You've got definitely got like the class and big yeah. corporations. corporations. And, and you do have the misogyny running through the whole entire film. And uh, I think this was a, a ham-fisted yeah. kind of real sort of like spotlight on that. Yeah, um, I mean, Tank Girl very often in the film is, is about to either be you know raped or... Or um, abused, or, or or at least you know, there's lots of sexual harassment. Basically, people have said online that this has now become, you know, a bit of a feminist film. Right. For me, it was, yeah, as you say, done in a really lazy way and slightly uncomfortable. You know, now we know what we know about Hollywood, and we know what we know about that filmmaking process and the spotlight, as you say, being shone on. Yeah, stuff. It, it is actually, more relevant today than it absolutely. probably was back then. <laughs> So there's this very crazy um, musical number. Apparently I was reading that there was a lot of musical numbers in this originally. Yeah. And then they kept cutting them down and cutting them down until this was the only yeah. soul-surviving big one. <laughs> so she rescues her surrogate daughter yeah, from Ratface. And to celebrate, they decide to have a big, <laughs> big song and dance. But in doing so... She obviously loses sight of what she should be doing. She's fucking off. Yeah, getting out of there pretty sharpish. And uh, water and power then descend on the venue uh, and take the girl away again. They take the girl, yeah. Why? I, I don't know. As leverage, but then Tank Girl's there. They don't they, 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 I don't know if they had a new... There's a reason why, I think if you were watching the film, you really were paying attention to what was going on and not just looking at how shit it is. <laughs> Then you would probably these sort of questions would would need know, to maybe, be asked. Maybe this because as I say we, we, we've mentioned this before, and we'll obviously go back to it again. The studio involvement and test audience were a huge factor in the final edit of this film. Yeah. So maybe maybe important shit was cut that would have explained why these things were happening rather than them just happen. Yeah. So. But yeah, Tank Girl goes off. With Jet Girl, who are now they're kind of like the duo now, aren't they? They're working together, Jet Girl and they're, Tank they're Girl. They're solid. Now yeah. Naomi Watts and Laurie Petty. It's worth pointing out. Maybe it's now that 
Malcolm McDowell's character, the evil boss guy, has had some sort of... Yeah, had some accident. They set a trap for the Rippers previously... Which right. goes horribly awry. We haven't we haven't really explained what the Rippers are. No, well, we, at this point we don't know what the Rippers really right. are. But we these... just know that they, they're like a subversive force. They spring up. They're elite. Yeah, they kill people and disappear again. So they're kind of attacking water and powers like little outcrops, outstations, yeah. outposts. I'll, get, I'll find the right one in a minute. <laughs> outposts, and then yeah, ducking off, and they get CCTV footage of these. Which uh, from a, an empty desert is impressive. The CCTV yeah. coverage, yeah. but yeah, so carry on. So yeah, so the, remember the, what you were saying. The, yeah, the, so the, 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 he he got badly injured in the Ripper attack. <laughs> the Rippers turn up. Um, Jetgo uses more fantastic CCTV footage. This was an incredibly lazy action scene of people just kind of running and the cameras moving faster than the people. It yeah. seemed at this point the Ripper's special ability was the ability to push people over. But then, like, afterwards it cuts away and the scenes of <laughs> dismemberment and carnage is that, you know... These, They're literally ripping people apart. Yeah, the, these shoves to the ground were fatal. <laughs> um, yeah, but from what we saw, literally this is what was happening was that they were, like, predator-esque with tails. <laughs> and then they the shove someone to the ground. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> and then their, their arms would just pop off. Malcolm McDowell's character horrendously injured in this thing. He's got no arm. His it's, face. It's, it's like um, the creation of the Joker scene, <laughs> it isn't is, it? It's very similar. He's bandaged up, and then this kind of evil doctor comes in to sort him out. Yeah, basically fits in with a, a robotic arm and like a hologram face, hologram, hologram head. face. Well, you don't see that straight away. You kind of he, his face is always off camera, and you assume that he's hideously disfigured. But actually, but that's what we're doing in Juno because it's very Inspector Gadget. You yeah. just see the claw. The... Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> he's got loads of whizzy blades, which I can imagine would only be a pain in the shower. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what do you do with that? Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, it's ridiculous. He can't even drink a scotch, can he? Because he realizes he's got no head. <laughs> Then, after the show and dance, uh, Tango realises or, or extrapolates her best chance of getting her surrogate daughter back again in a sort of Newt Ripley kind of fashion would be to pally up with the Rippers, who she doesn't know who they are. Is that a good point there, Matthew? Was Aliens... was definitely before this film. Aliens was 89, wasn't it, or 90? I've got fucking Inspector Gadget theme going for da, 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 da. <laughs> Well, fuck me. We thought we could have talked about this last last podcast. Right, then there's no excuse for the alienator. <laughs> it's, it's even worse. Now. Even worse. 86. 86, yeah. Yeah, even no, nine you... Nine years before that. You touch on a good point there, because the, the Ripley and um, Newt thing is actually... It's a similar relationship. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's sort of like it's a... It's one born from a shared gumption. Yeah. A recognised kindred spirit in a younger form and... So basically, you were saying that um, you were just explaining the next part of the plot before I interrupted you about uh, the Newton Ripley similarities there. Yeah, but yeah, Tank Girl realizes that she her best bet to succeed or get the girl back is to get the Rippers on board. Yeah, which is where we meet, I guess, where most of the budget in this film went. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, for me, again, we hope to find some good stuff amongst these films and celebrate. I don't know about you. But I think the prosthetics and the makeup's pretty good. No triumph. You might disagree, but yeah, I think once we meet the Rippers, 
Yeah, it's it's corny, and yes, there. I think this is the Rippers are kind of a part that the, the comic book purists are not happy about because no. they're they're not very kangaroo like. How much did they pay you to spy on us? Two dollars and fifteen cents. Can you try and explain to me, Matthew, what the Rippers are? The Rippers are like so very many things in life. Hard to explain. <laughs> But, try. But try, try your hardest. So it's it's that whole typical story of boy meets girl. <laughs> uh, boy tries to create a genetically superior soldier. Genetically superior soldier is either a failure or a massive success. Either way, there comes a time when the war is finished and you no longer need that genetically superior soldier. So in Tank Girl world, the genetically superior soldier was actually created by... Oh, they kept saying his name. He's kind of like a god to him. Um, and it was used highly successful it's basically a kangaroo and other person as we find out it's not just kangaroo people genetic splicing it's kangaroo dog it's genetic splice but there must be man in there somewhere I don't know yeah um, and, and they create obviously incredibly successful soldiers because yeah, as we saw their ability to shove people to the ground and just remove their limbs is yeah, they're, unparalleled they're, they're um, efficient fighting and um, ripping machines uh, hence the name Rippers. They literally rip people apart, don't yeah, they? Yeah. But yeah, in the comic, they're much more kangarooey. Much, yeah. They uh, they have a kangaroo face. Yeah, and they're they're um well they're very cartoony. <laughs> <laughs> but in this in this incarnation, they've obviously because of the constraints of what they're physically able to do. Well, you know, this they, was again reading the trivia. It's actually a decision by the director to not because they apparently they tested with a few kangaroo like faces but yeah. it had to be like fully you know animatronic animatronic faces and uh they lost the the actor in uh, it. okay so they paired it right back to just being like nose and ears so that the actors could act still yeah and so you know when you're portraying a genetically engineered dog kangaroo man it's important to get some, you know, pathos in those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some fun bits with the with the Rippers. They are quite funny in ways. Some ways they remind me a little bit of the the, the turtles in the Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> yeah, Turtles. turtles. Yes. I didn't um, see that. In terms of how they they're made up and the comic booky uh, dialogue, I guess, and the it, the script is poor throughout. But there's little funny little bits of. But the misogyny dialogue. even persists through these yeah. heroic characters, where there's like a very, very handsy. <laughs> there's a persistent. There's a pestering uh, ripper who just wants to hump them and yeah. do sorts of, you know, yeah, things to them. Touch them inappropriately. Touch them inappropriately. Yeah, sorry, but yeah, um, and hump. You were right. And hump. They did say hump. I say we kill them. I say we hump them. I say we get crumpets and tea. Tasty crumpets and tea. All in favour of crumpets and tea, say aye. Aye. But this is where we meet um, Booger. Booger is Tank Girl's boyfriend. Yeah, in, in the, the comics. In, in the comics. So long, she, long running boyfriend. It's not like a five yeah, by yeah, night. It's yeah, like a yeah. transient relationship. They're, they're deep. Yeah. And on, on the page, it's quite endearing. <laughs> and it works. In this situation, yeah, they, they nod to it slightly, don't they? Because there's a, a love scene which is alluded to, um, but not given the screen time I think the director wanted. And they there's a. And it was, it was in the cinematic cut. But yeah. never made it any further than that. Right. They spent a lot of the budget on a on a <laughs> naked ripper suit, and they spent um, five thousand pounds. Five thousand dollars on a ripper penis. Ripper penis. <laughs> so yeah, they spent five thousand pounds on a giant kangaroo dick, yeah. um, which never made it to DVD. They end up just replacing. Well, Booger's fully clothed in the scene. 
and the editor edit it away don't they but it's a shame I mean the guy who spent all that time creating the prosthetic kangaroo penis to not see it on screen it must be gutting to know that it never made it past the current floor I'm not being funny right but if you're making a kangaroo dick you know it's 50-50 it ain't gonna make it <laughs> yeah I suppose it would take a very brave studio to go yeah that's what we wanted more, that, yes. more kangaroo dick no, make it bigger make it bigger if anything just be, make it bigger yeah if it's widescreen fill the screen <laughs> Yeah, so maybe yeah. they reused it for that Marky Mark film. <laughs> yeah, what? Um, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. I'd like to recite a poem that I've written. Oh, cool. Laugh, you butterfly that dances in the mud. Laugh, you piece of dental floss. You burn me toast. Yeah. Laugh, you pig that flies in the sky with rainbow twinky fluid and three liters of high octane petrol. I got um, I, I pulled off. <laughs> <laughs> this was um, an IMDb uh, review, yeah, of the film. Can I read it out? My yeah, loud? read it out. Do it in internet uh, troll voice. Internet troll voice. Go on. What's internet troll voice? Ah, uh, I like to f- watch a film. <laughs> Go on. Back Just... in uh, 1995, I was looking for a sexy movie, and I found it. But not the way I expected. It was Sunday in April 1995. And I would find this Tango movie I saw advertised. I thought Tango being a badass woman would be also be sexy. <laughs> As I was into that sort of thing, I had to drive about 30 miles to find a theatre that still had it. And I finally I found one in another state. Obviously, oh, this being a couple of weeks after Tank Girl came out, this meant the movie did not do well, so he's already realising that he probably shouldn't have driven 30 miles to watch this film. He wants to see... Uh, he wants to see a sexy, strong woman. Here we go. I watched Tank Girl, and I did not realise I was watching the same Laurie Petty who played Kit, the sister of baseball star, in A League of Her Own. Despite being a badass chick who always rode a tank... She doesn't always ride a tank, she very rarely rides a tank. She rides it once. Like, yeah. Twice, yeah. Tango herself was far from sexy. The hair, the tattoos, the way she dressed. The other things about her were just too manly to be sexy to me. <laughs> so he likes the strong women, but there has to have an edge of femininity. Yeah, you, can't have, you can't have both, but I mean, not in Tango. The movie also interjected cartoon to Tango throughout that at times were sexy. <laughs> ah... But most of the time we're not. (laughs) 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 The movie was really not very entertaining either and I'm featured typical cliché bad guys who were about as predictable as watching clock movement. Yeah, and I agree with that. Yep. This movie did not feature any deep thinking or any original ideas. Kangaroo fucking soldiers. That's How original. much more original do you want than yeah, that? Yeah. 
and was simply meant to entertain us with snappy and sometimes off-the-wall one-liners from Tango Throughout, which gets old after a while. There is also interspecies issues in the movie. <laughs> it's not an issue if you just... And also, you'd, you'd argue that was original. Yeah. And the less I think about those, the better. He's put off by that. Yeah. He? I was kind of falling asleep in a theatre. I noticed that one of the women in The Woman was changing. That being Jet Girl, played by Naomi Watts, with dark hair. at that point without giving too much away Jack Gill goes from a mumbling mousy underconfident and quite unattractive glasses wearing woman to extremely sweet looking and pretty and at that very moment shockingly sadistic and brutal (laughs) (laughs) this contrasting change that indicates the prettier the more brutal was very shocking and for me Super sexy. <laughs> You've got what you wanted at the end. End of review. That's it. Brilliant. Well read, by the way. Cheers, mate. Actually, the voice suits you. <laughs> Secondly. But also, I agree with that. Jet, uh, Jet Girl, the transition of Jet Girl is significant. But I, I think we mentioned it. Like, if anything is coherent throughout this film, it's yeah. her movement from yeah. underdog to rebellion not. leader, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, um... Post coital scene was heavily edited and changed, and also there was a another heavily cut uh, section where you see Tank Girl's bedroom and it's um, been decorated with dozens of dildos. Uh, so this is this is the weird censorship thing, isn't it? There's myriad of guns and weapons and death. Yeah, fine. Yeah, a couple be... of rubber dicks. No. And there's one scene that was cut apparently where she she places a condom on a banana before throwing it at a soldier as a weapon. Disgusting. I mean, that would have been funny, Waste I think. Waste of food. Yeah. We talked about Laurie Petty's, um, her dialogue and her voice especially is a bit grating, but she reminded me a little bit of uh, Russell Brand. <laughs> 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 I was expecting some of the old kind of <laughs> one-liners and the way she delivered them just had like a Russell Brandy thing about it. I don't know if that's just me. I just wrote it down and thought, oh, Russell Brand. Very strange. At this point, we've had two or three of the, the cutscene cartoon bits. Yeah. Which uh, apparently uh, James Hewlett uh, said that they had to put in to try, you know, uh, make up for some of the, the lacking uh, in the cuts and stuff. Yeah. The, and the, she does the voiceover with him and it works better. Yeah, the, the animated cutscenes are really good. Yeah. Because it's covered by the music, which you said we'd get to. Yeah, I hope you weren't teasing. Perfect, perfect timing there, and it will segue into the the soundtrack. Courtney Love, uh, I think, created the soundtrack or was heavily responsible in, in getting the bands together. Uh, and but tra- a lot of strong female. Oh yeah, you get you've got else. I don't want to say L seven. It is L seven. And Veruca Salt. You've got Hole, Devo, Bjork. It's a good soundtrack. It's just a shame. Obviously, they wanted to get involved with it because it was you know, on paper. It looked like it was going to be awesome, um, but then such a bad flop. <laughs> the action sequences are, are quite lumpy, and there's loads of wire work which you can see. I don't know if you spotted yeah, you the wires. You see the wires. I saw loads of wires, and once I saw one, I started seeing them every time. Yeah. So the kangaroo, uh, sorry, the rippers are jumping and leaping around. Sort of like kangaroos. There's loads of wire work and you can see the wires in pretty much every shot. There's not much to say about the rest of the film plot-wise in terms of you know what happens and ha- what we get at the end, but suffice to say that Malcolm McDowell comes to a sticky end. Eventually, Tank yeah. Girl saves the day. Jet Girl obviously becomes a really strong heroine 
uh, and assertive. Well, they go off into the sunset type thing with yeah. Booger or anything else. We, we transition from this potentially sort of archaic kind of non-formulaic film into an incredibly formulaic film. Yeah. We start off with you know uh, a tragedy, a reason to do something, and then redemption. It's everything the comic book wasn't, and everything that this film shouldn't have been is yeah. that encapsulation of just this linear plot line. Obviously, due to a real heavy involvement of the studio. Yeah, we we, we talked about this before, uh, but both the directors, uh, the both the director and the um, original creators, have sort of come out and talked about how studio interference was heavy in this mm. after um, test audience screenings which are the bane of filmmaking as far as I'm concerned mm. never ever make a cut or a single change to something based on a test audience screen to stick with the original idea and go with it are there any more nuggets of funny on the internet in terms of the <laughs> uh, reviews Matt? I wanted to see who thought this film was good Okay. Um, and I wanted to find some uh, 10 out of 10 reviews. So this is one. Of, this is a 10 out of 10 review. Fabulous film. I loved every moment. Girls don't want to have fun. They want a tank. Give me more, please. Multiple exclamation marks used oh, in that I love this popcorn munching evening, getting lost in all the plot holes, etc. What a scream. Plot holes aren't a scream. They're so not... we got lost in all the plot holes, but enjoyed them anyway. But enjoyed them anyway. Oh. Everything there. Poor CGI, poor lights, poor screenplay. This doesn't sound like a good review. You gave it 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. But a fantastic story and idiots acting between all. This is a must-see for all. Dim the lights, switch on the surround and make sure you have all the popcorn you need and enjoy. If you can't do that, then you are brain dead or a critic without a brain. Nah, said. Oh, that's a great way to end it. <laughs> uh, what a great way to end a review. Yeah, so like he's saying, basically, if you can't enjoy this film, then you're brain dead. Well, basically, he's saying if you can't enjoy this film for what it is, which is bad script, bad script, plot holes, plot holes, bad special effects, poor screenplay, and idiots acting between all. Okay, so if you can't enjoy that, <laughs> then you're brain dead. Yeah. I think the only one person brain dead here is. Mr. Internet Man. Yeah, and then uh, my my favourite. Um, my, I didn't even take the 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 whole entire of the review there. No, I've just taking the total and the score on this one. And this is my favourite. This sums up this film. You would either love this or despise this one. Is the title of the review. Score six out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> so he neither did. He, didn't he neither, neither loved it or despised it. He kind of he gave it a very middling. A very middling review. <laughs> Look at the director after this film. She didn't really make any other films. She went kind of heavily... I mean, like, good TV stuff. She's yeah. done like Doctor Who and yeah. um, lots and lots of other great uh, Amer- TV. Good American yeah, yeah. staple stuff. Um, but I was trying to find other films she's done. So she did the Freddy film, and there was one other, I think, sort of TV movie in there. Yeah. But there wasn't any other films. And I, I think this probably this whole situation made her hate, <laughs> like hate, the, hate the, whole, the, scene. the whole thing. And yeah. you know, was was better off in television, which obviously... Because of the, the lack of uh, the, the lower budgets, I guess, um, is a lot more of a forgiving and more creative space. How are we going to rate it then, Matthew? I don't, well, we never really worked out how our rating Well, should we system... not then? Better than Alienator, but for not endearing reasons. Does that make sense? But but is it £25 million pound better than Alienator? Because I imagine the, the, the no, budget difference no, no. is probably Absolutely. about Alienator, for me, quid. still is 
funny because it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Whereas this is sad because it's bad. But there you go. So that's that's it. I think we've we've uh, we've talked the hell out of Tango. <laughs> we can agree that it it's got good bits and bad bits. <laughs> <laughs> so Matthew, have you had a thought about what the next one will be? Hitman Agent Forty Seven. Let's see if we can find any nuggets of uh, Hitman juiciness in Hitman Agent 47. Thanks ever so much for having me, Matthew, in the bunker. You're welcome, welcome, Chris. Hey, and don't forget, (laughs) if it's not in the bunker, it's not worth watching. (laughs) Later, cats.